I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Growth Vault. Hey, my friends. Welcome back to the Growth Vault podcast. Josh here. I'm joined by my buddy, Marvin. Marvin is uh, someone I met several years ago in San Diego. I was speaking at a super small event, a really great event, uh, put on, I think, by Martha Woodward. And Marvin was there. He was in the lawn care uh, business and uh, we kind of hit it off. You know, we have common worldview. He's a family guy and he has a really unique story. And then recently when I was talking to Marvin, you know, we were just talking about the ridiculous growth he's had. I thought it'd be really, really cool to just talk to him because, you know, he's been in the business for, you know, almost two decades but essentially had to start over only about four years ago. And so imagine having a, a company doing 150,000 in revenue, <clears throat> you know, four years ago and stepping out in total faith and then transforming that into a $1.6 million business in like three and a half seasons. It's a pretty remarkable thing. I wanted Marvin to share it, to encourage all of you. And so you can meet him. Marvin, how the heck yes, are sir. you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing better than I deserve, as Dave Ramsey famously says. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so what the heck? I, I joked before we hit record here in the interview. I said, Marvin, what did you do? Did you get a, a one single $1.5 million account so you could get your revenue to $1.6 million? <laughs> uh, of course, that didn't happen. But give us a little backstory on who you are, where you're located, and what's going on. Well, um, I am, I, I guess you, not, not a, I hate saying nobody, but, you know, I, I don't, um, I'm a nobody from Tyler, Texas. Um, I grew up here and uh, went away to college and was real hungry in college. And I called my dad and I was like, hey, dad, uh, I'm not paying my bills and need to figure out something to make some money. And uh, he was like, well, why don't you do what you know to do? Go mow some yards. And so that's kind of how I got my foot in the door and started my first business years and years and years ago. And, uh, just started passing out flyers and growing my company. And it, I, I built up a real little company up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I sold that off. And I started over, um, here in Tyler, um, Gosh, in June of 2003 is when I started over, um, built that company up, um, in, a, in 2013, I merged with another guy and we built that company up really big. We did over 3 million in revenue. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, at that point, uh, he and I had different directions that we wanted to lead the company. Um, and I was going through a lot of personal struggles in my life at that time. Um, I, I was probably 26. This uh, what led up to this. This was 2016 at this point in the story. So we've, we've fast forward quite a few years. So it's 2016. You have a business partner now. You're doing $3 million. What was yes, the business? Sir. What was the business like at that time? And business uh, was frustrating. Um, we were, were growing rapidly. 
And then all of a sudden we, we lost uh, $1.2 million worth of work in about a three-month period. Um, we had two really large contracts that went out for bid, as most commercial contracts do um, every few years. And we got outbid by two of the big national players. Um, during that same time, um, of course, we had to scale back as fast as we could. We laid off management staff. I actually stepped back out into the field. Um, and uh, my background, I, I was a small engine mechanic for many years. Uh, I stepped back out into the field as our company's mechanic to keep things running um, and just try to keep things afloat. Uh, meanwhile, I started going through a really, really bad bout of depression. Um, I got up and came to work and that was about all I did every day. That was, that was all I could muster was to, to get some work done every day. And I would go home and just veg out every night and all weekend long. Uh, cause I, I just, I did not have the energy to do anything else. Um, at the same time, um, both my wife and I, we came from, we both come from broken homes. And when we got married, uh, we had said that uh, divorce was never an option for us. But during the same time, because I kept bringing my, my work problems home, it was affecting my marriage. And my wife and I were beginning to talk about divorce. Mm. So I've kind of got the one, two, three punch going on. My business is failing my, or my partnership is failing. I'm depressed and my marriage is failing. And you have kids too, right? I've got three kids, three amazing kids. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, actually at the time I only had two kids. Um, my third one was on the way. Um, but yeah, all this was going on with kids in the picture. So, um, kind of the uh, accumulation of what helped I, I just, I started working real hard. I'm talking to people, helped me get through the depression. I, I was able to get past that. And, and for those of you who are, who are depressed, I mean, it's, it's a, a, a fickle mistress because you need movement and activity to get out of the depression, but it's hard to get that activity because you don't want to do anything and you're caught in this catch 22. Mm. And I, I've got some great friends who just negativity. Started. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's horrible. And, you know, I've got some good friends who literally just forced me to get out and go do things. And it helped just get my mind going and seeing past that darkness. And uh, I was, so I was able to work through the depression. And, uh, you know, then I had to work on my marriage. And kind of what led up to my wife and I working things out is a massive fight. <laughs> We, we, we had a huge fight one day and, uh, I didn't talk to my wife for two weeks and, uh, unless it was absolutely 100% pertinent to our children, I, I was not speaking to her. And, um, it, it, and it did, that was, it was devastating for me because my wife is my best friend and, uh, she, she has been, and because I'm a firm believer of, marrying your best friend. I mean, I, I love my wife. I love hanging out with her. I love going and doing things with her. And, um, 
for me to not talk to my best friend for you for, for a couple of weeks at a time. I mean, it was, it was devastating for me. And, uh, I was bound and determined because of the pride that was in me that I was not going to break first and apologize. And, uh, it's, hmm, that sounds, that sounds pretty, I'm sure no <laughs> one can relate to that listening. No, sure no other man no. has ever felt that crazy feeling. Never, never. And, uh, one day she, she came up to me and she sat down and she said, can we talk? And I said, okay. And, uh, she just looked at me and, uh, she said three words that still brings me to tears. She said, I miss you. And I broke. Oh. And um, we talked for a couple of hours and we just, we worked through all of our, all of our crap. And, you know, I just told her, you know, Hey, I was wrong. I miss you too. You know, and we, we worked through our mess. And then, then that led to the lot, the last thing of 2016 that I needed to work through. And that's my, my work relationship and my partnership. And so my, my partner and I, we had very different visions of, of how we wanted to run the company. And, uh, give me, give me an I'm, example of what you mean by that. I think that's super interesting. So I'm a very conservative person. Um, I, I like to preserve cash. Um, I like to do things from a, a, a stronghold of cash or a strong point of cash. Um, so even if that causes us to grow slower, you know, I buy trucks with cash. You know, I've got, I don't know, 15 trucks right now and I paid cash for all but one of them. Uh, I've got the titles on all but one of them. <laughs> and it, it gives me some strength when there's a downturn in the market that I'm not stuck in payments. And I'm not struggling to try and figure out how I'm going to make payments because I've grown a little bit slower and I've done things through cash. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. And, and the, the struggle that I was having with him is from my perspective, he never met a debt he didn't like. <laughs> this is a and really, this is just, it's a normal common thing. I mean, get, having a business is. partnership is similar to marriage. And the analogy I use is uh, getting a business partner or getting married is similar to gluing two pieces of paper together. And yes. it's really easy to get into that. It's easy to glue them together, but it's really hard to take it back apart without you know, a lot of pain. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I affectionately call me leaving uh, the old company as, as the divorce, yep. uh, because that's what every bit of what it felt like. It felt like a divorce. So how did you guys negotiate, you know, the divorce and <laughs> the business divorce? Yeah. What, what kind of impact did it have on, you know, your finances, your mindset, your marriage, everything? What, what were you thinking? So for me, it was a massive struggle because I didn't have anything to jump to. And had I had something to jump to, I would have left long before I did. And I was just trying to figure out what to do, how to do it, how to strategically do it so I don't devastate my personal life and my personal finances. And so, I mean, it, it took me months and months and months to figure this out. Um, I think upwards of eight months to just 
pondering and mulling through this and, you know, what am I going to do and how can I do this without destroying my, my personal life? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I sought some wisdom um, of some, some very respected um, businessmen. And uh, they told me, they said, whatever you got to do, you need to get out of this. They said, it is destroying your personal life. It's destroying everything. Just get out and figure it out. <laughs> I mean, it's basically what it mulled down to. And um, so I, I finally, um, I think the straw that broke the camel's back, um, I, I asked my, my partner to meet with me one day and I sat down and I talked with him and I said, look, man, I said, the business is struggling. I said, we're barely staying afloat. I said, you and I need to take a cut and pay so that we can, we can pay our bills. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, to pay the guys. It's tough to, you know, everything because I would, I always came from the mindset that when things were tight, uh, I, I personally would not cash my paycheck so I could make sure and, and that my guys could cash their checks. And there was one point in time I, I went three months without cashing a paycheck. Mm. And, you've, heard uh, the, you've heard the quote, leaders eat last, right? I don't know who coined yes. that or if that's a yes. kind of willing thing or, but it's, yeah, I've been yeah. there too many times. And, and so, I mean, that, that's what I did. I did what needed to be done to, to allow the company to survive. And, you know, the guys were always able to cash their checks and, you know, we, we paid the bills and, and he, he didn't like how I did that because he was always cashing his check, but he didn't like that. I cashed, I wouldn't cash mine. And uh, so he thought that he could do a better uh, job paying the bills. And I said, okay, that's fine. Do it. So I allowed him to pay the bills and, um, there's a lot was of stuff. A, was this I, a 50 50 partnership or no, it was, it was a 70 30 and I was, I was 70% ownership. He was 30% owner. Okay. And so, I mean, when it all, when everything boiled down to it, I, I had the final say in everything. Um, and the buck stopped with me because I carried the load of ownership. How did you structure the, uh, the final divorce? What did that look like? I mean, it sounds like you were, just kind of at your breaking point and just want it out. So I'm assuming you didn't get a huge cash out or anything, but I no, no way we talked about it. So explain. So, that. so just let me, let me quickly tie up my story and then I'll jump right into that. Um, so the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back of, of me finally deciding, okay, we have to, I have to get out of this is when I asked him to, Hey, let's, let's split the, or let's, you know, take a pay cut. He said, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. And I was like, well, okay, then I guess let's ride this bad boy all the way to the bottom because, you know, if he's not willing to, to, to pay, take a pay cut to save the company, then the company's going to fail. And so I, I needed to get out. <clears throat> so I finally, I worked up the courage to, to meet with him uh, again and, and approach the subject of we needed to split. And so the last day of August, 2016, I, I talked with him and I told him, I said, Hey man, I said, I don't care who goes. I said, if you need to go, if I need to go, I said, this just isn't working. I said, I own a job. I hate, um, you know, the, we're not paying our bills. We're not, we're, we're not making it. I said, I think the company will survive if it doesn't have two owners. I said, but right now it just, the company cannot support two owners. 
So I don't care. And I had already personally, I had lined up uh, a way to buy him out. I was, I was going to write him a check for $250,000 for him to walk away. And I was going to buy out his shares and, and allow him to be free and go and be who he wanted to be. But he, he told me, he said, man, I'm so glad that you said something. I've been thinking about this for a long time. He said, why don't we do this? And so he told me, he said, why don't you take the clients that are still left from when we merged the companies and we'll throw in a couple more just to kind of round it out and to give you enough work for a couple of guys. And you take enough equipment for one crew and then you leave. And he said, I want everything else. He said, I'll take, uh, he said, I want all the trucks. I want the land. I want the, the contracts. He said, I want everything. And I was like, fine. Um, and the, the big kicker for me is uh, he told me, he said, I'll even keep all the debt. And I said, okay, done. Let's do it. So at that point in time, <clears throat> well, here's the, the, the other twist in my 2016. That night, my wife went into labor with our third baby. And, of course she did. <laughs> oh, um, she was in labor for 28 hours. Uh, we were going to have the baby at home. At the end of 28 hours, the midwife, she said, hey, something's not right. She said, baby's heart beats good. Mama's heart beats good. She said, but she's not dilating the way that she needs to. She said, we need to go to the emergency room. So I load my wife up in the car. It's like two o'clock in the morning. We rush to the emergency room. We get there and they immediately prep her for uh, an emergency C-section. Um, she signs some papers, they do the C-section. And then afterwards the doctor, uh, he's talking to me and he told me, he said, had you brought your wife in 20 minutes later, she said they both, we would have lost both your wife and the baby. Oh my goodness. So what we couldn't see is that my wife's uterus had split open and she was bleeding out internally. And uh, the only thing that, you know, other than God miraculously getting us through this is my daughter's arm fell out of the hole in her uterus and literally plugged the hole and kept my wife from bleeding out. And that is um, the craziest thing I've ever heard. Oh, it gets crazier. So we spent the next week in the, in the hospital. Uh, my wife had four very major surgeries. Uh, she almost died on the operating table multiple times. Um, she spent two and a half days in ICU. And, um, so while I'm dealing with my wife and going through the emotions of how to tell my kids that, you know, it, it is, you know, that their mom may not make it. Uh, my business partner is splitting the company behind my back. Um, he's already met with an attorney at this point and, and he shoots me a message one day. He says, Hey, when you get out of the hospital, I need you to sign some papers. So, um, my wife ends up making a full recovery. A week later, she gets out of the hospital. Uh, baby's fully healthy. Baby was born healthy. Nothing wrong with her. Uh, and we named her uh, Mireya. 
which is uh, French for miracle, because she was she was our little miracle baby. So a week later, I get out of the hospital, take my wife home. I go start dealing with the business. Um, and he did have uh, separation papers drawn up by an attorney. Uh, of course, I had my own attorney look over th- everything over. We made a bunch of changes. Long story short, we ended up, I exited the company by October 1st. So my wife had the baby September 2nd, 28 days later, I left the company and I started over on October the 1st. And, uh, and in the, you know, I don't know all the services you offer, but in being in Texas, I guess it's year round, but does it go into a slow season around that time? We do. We do go into a slow season and that is actually the very beginning of our slow season. Right. So I started over <laughs> right at the beginning of the worst time to start a lawn company. So and, I mean, uh, you had a lot of experience. I mean, a lot of trauma that year and all this stuff that you went through. But business wise, you knew how to run a company. You had built a large company, had some big setbacks, losing some accounts, had some big uh, stresses with butting heads with your partner. But were you feeling kind of free and excited and and optimistic at that time? You only yes. had one hundred and fifty thousand in in, a, in accounts to start with four years ago. Yes. Is that right? What so, were you yes. thinking? What were you feeling? So even though it was insanely stressful, it was a massive relief um, because leading up to the split, um, I mean, I got to the point where I wasn't eating. Um, I was losing sleep at night. I just, I was, I was a wreck. I just emotionally, I was a wreck. And then as soon as I left, I mean, I instantly had peace. And even though I didn't know how it was going to make it, I took a massive loss in income. Um, I mean, I I think I took a a $60,000 hit in income instantly. Um, I made it happen. Uh, My wife and I live very simple lives. And uh, we had some savings and we just, I told her, I said, babe, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, um, Hey, you got to pull the arrow back before it can shoot <laughs> forward. Right. <laughs> yes, sir. So and, how and did I just, you, I mean, break down how you did what you did. So from that place forward, your marriage is in a good spot. Your wife's healthy. Thank God you have your miracle baby. You have your brand new, fresh little baby business, 150 k. So you didn't start from zero, but you had, you right. had something. Yeah. And then you've you've 10 x the business in four years. Yes. How the heck did so you do that? I poured the gas on the fire, quite literally. I I pumped massive, massive amounts of advertising money into advertising, and just getting my name out there and branding our company. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the pictures on Facebook. Uh, we are known for Salcedo green. Um, all our oh, trucks yeah. are, are lime green. I drive a giant F six fifty. Um, you know, my fleet of trucks are all lime green. Uh, the buildings at our, our new shop are all lime green. We have <laughs> branded awesome. our company here in town. I mean, I give away t-shirts and I give away sweatshirts and hats and uh, wristbands and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff to get our name out into the market. And then just lots of Facebook advertising and, 
mailers and uh, just everything possible to get our name out there. And, uh, and that's what we've done. I mean, we literally just exploded into the market and uh, just said, hey, Tyler, here we are. We're back. You know, it's funny because uh, obviously I know a gajillion different home service people. This is like my world, right? And Yes, sir. Um, you know, delaying gratification is a prerequisite for growing fast, period. End of story. Yes. Like if you want to live the rock star lifestyle and scale fast at the same time, you can't. can't. Those are contradictory goals unless you're going to go into debt and then it will all fall apart and burst into flames at some point. So what types of uh, personal income were you taking? Even though you could have took more, instead you were making the the conscious decision to reinvest, reinvest, hold the line, you know, delay the gratification, not eat the marshmallow. If you're familiar with the marshmallow experiment, yeah, you just kept doing that, um, which is really what I would have expected. What did that look like financially for you? So when I started over, um, I took about 40,000 a year in income, uh, which was nothing. I mean, I, I could, go out into the marketplace and make that doing just about anything. Um, and then just incrementally since then, uh, I've raced it. I mean, now I'm north of a hundred. Um, but you know, I've just started with 40 and then I raced it to 60 and then 75 and then 85 and then a hundred. And, and so it's just gone up and up and up and up from there. But you could have taken more. I mean, that's the moral. You could have taken more, but yes. kept the budget high on the reinvestment for, for, for advertising. What types of, I know you told me you have what about 25 employees when you guys are, you know, in the primary yes, season. Um, did you, did you have less issues scaling this business because of everything you learned and the mistakes you made last time? Were your yes. systems better? Was your leadership <laughs> better? I'm sure there's still issues, but contrasted against the first time you built a business to 3 million. And then this one is already at 1.6. Um, walk us through what that has been like. So, yeah, it's been much easier to grow the second time around. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, like they say, act like you've been there. Well, I've been there. And uh, it's easier to duplicate it the second time around. Um, How do you think that I, is? Is, is? Because you know what? Is it belief? You know, there, there is some confidence with it. Uh, you're able to make more uh, strategic risks because you know historically that they do play out. Um, like even this week, I mean, I'm, I'm pumping a, a massive amount of money into advertising this week. Um and that's not normal this time of year, but I know because historically what we do this time of year, it's going to pay itself off. Um, but just because I've done it before, I know I, I, I'm able to take more calculated risks. And I know that, you know, um, Facebook advertising, you know, right now it, it, it pays leaps and bounds, um, you know, Direct mailers are, you know, it's it's a really good way to get your name out into the market uh, because, you know, they say that it takes uh, like seven points of contact before somebody uh, historically will choose to call you. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, whether it's... They well, you know, I'm a big advocate for direct mail being that, oh, you absolutely. know, I have Send Jim, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and matter of fact, we've, we've got a lifetime membership with Send Jim. Um, you know, we've used SendGem quite a bit, um, and we have plans to use it more in the future 
for reaching back out to our clientele on a more consistent basis. And it's, it's not so much, it, it, it's, it's just getting our name back out into the market so that we become a household name. I mean, you're making it sound easy, Marvin, to be honest. So what I want to, I want to try to pull coals and understand <laughs> is 99% of people in lawn care and your primary lawn care, prim- do you do landscaping yes, too? or we, we do some landscape. I do what we call landscape enhancements. Okay. Uh, we, we do more remodeling than we do installs. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we, nine, we predominantly do maintenance and fertilization. We control those are our core services. The, 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 the most, most people doing this, they never get out of a two, three, four, $500,000 range. Uh, they'll stay there for 30 years. They struggle. I mean, part of the reason is because they take too big of a personal income too quick. That's part of it, but there's more issues at stake. How, what are they from your, you, you know, you mentor and help other people in your industry. What are these people doing wrong that you didn't do? I think a lot of people are afraid to uh, to advertise. They're afraid to spend that money, um, or they'll do it once. They'll they'll do mailers one time, yep. and you can't do mailers just one time. You have to do them over and over because you have to continually be, be in front of their face. Um, I, I was looking today or this week. Um, from some advertisings that I got from Northern Tool. And I got like six advertisings from them, uh, several in paper mailers. I got a magazine from them. I saw them on Facebook. I saw them on Instagram. Um, Just multiple, multiple touches, touch points that they were in front of my face. And that's what we have to do in the market is we have to create multiple touch points However, that may be, whether it's a Facebook ad, whether it's a, a, a postcard through Sim Jim, if it's a, they see your truck on the street and then they turn around and they see one of your guys and they, you know, he's wearing a Salcedo shirt. And then, um, you know, they, they drive by and they see one of our fertilization signs. Um, it's creating multiple touch points. Yeah, it's multi, multi-channel, multi-touch, full spectrum, saturation. You're making a ruckus is kind of how yes. I, but I, I just read a book called uh, There's a Customer Born Every Minute. Super okay. interesting for anybody that wants to read a cool book. It's about P.T. Barnum. And if you've seen the, okay. the, the movie, The Greatest Showman, really cool. Yes, I hate musicals, but that movie was awesome. It was. About I, I'm not a fan of musicals either, but that was a good one. <laughs> Yeah. So his story is super interesting. And he, you know, kind of, I think he founded like the Ringling Brothers Circus and he had these like museums of oddities and these weird things, but he was an entrepreneur. He did a lot of things. And this, I have, I have like 10 pages of handwritten notes I'm looking at on my phone um, from this book. But the quote that's standing out is you're from P.T. Barnum, as you're describing what you've done is this, this is what he said. He said, when advertising, Always have stamina because you're not talking to an auditorium. You're talking to a parade. And what he means is, is so small business owners advertise. And for some reason, we think, hey, we did it. I sent a mailer. Yay, I'm so great. Now everyone knows me. The truth is no one knows you. No one even noticed anything that you did. Like you're a nothing burger that's cricket. So you're not speaking to a captive audience who are staring at you waiting for your advertisement. You're speaking to like a parade of people walking by not paying attention to you. And you're screaming on the sidewalk, you know, look at me. I have a lawn care business. They don't care. They're busy. They got soccer. They have stress. They're in their own marriage problems. Their boss is mean to them. It's this constant stamina that you have to have, marketing stamina. And and you've done that. The other, and then I'll, I'll shut up, but the, the second thing you've done that's interesting 
is that you've put showmanship into your marketing. And I've seen your trucks, you know, from when you started, you know, when we first met and they're a spectacle and there's a level of showmanship and, and fun injected in doing something like that to have buildings painted lime green and these gigantic trucks that are lime green and your shirts are lime green and you're advertising like crazy. You're making a ruckus. You're having marketing stamina. You're playing the long game. You're having fun with it. And that is the recipe. I mean, that's straight out of P.T. Barnum's methodology is to make a ruckus. A ruckus he calls it to arrest public attention. How do you get people that's to good. stop in their tracks? How If someone's yeah. flicking through Facebook, how do you get them to stop scrolling with their thumb? Their thumb is just going and going and going, boom. How do you hook them? It seems like you've done a great job with that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I tried to, matter of fact, when I went to go pick the color uh, for our trucks, um, I, I went to the paint store and I literally just, I, I had no idea what color I wanted. I did not have an inkling of what I wanted. I just wanted something that was going to catch my eye. And I flipped the book in the moment my eye caught the green. I said, that's it. That's the one I want right there. And the only reason why I picked it, my, my kids asked me, is green your favorite color? Well, in all reality, no, it's not. But I said it caught my eye. And there that's why I did it, because it catches my eye. And anytime I see this color, it catches my eye because it stands out so much. Yeah, the truth is, and I'm sure you would agree with this, is the best businesses don't win. It's the best marketed businesses win. The Absolutely. best products don't win. The most marketed businesses win or products win. Um, yeah. You can be some great inventor who's in your garage and no one ever knows you exist. And that's not helping anybody. And you will always get some organic growth if you're a good person that does a good job. But to really push the the boulder up the hill, to hit a million bucks really fast. And by the way, as previously discussed, it's not like magic unicorn fairy dust when you have a, a couple million dollar business. There's still problems. But I know, Marvin, you would agree, it's a lot easier to, to deal with uh, the issues on a million dollar business than it is a $100,000 business, right? Yes, when you have one absolutely. employee that doesn't show up and 100% of your workforce is gone that day. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been there, done that. They're both hard, but it's easier when you have a team and a shop and infrastructure. I love that you're paying cash for your vehicles. We did the same thing. I have the same philosophy. We even paid cash for our house, which people think is totally oh, insane. Awesome. All my rich friends are like, are you re like, what's wrong with you? It's ridiculous. And, uh, but for us, even though, you know, I could have invested and done things better. It's like for us, the peace of mind is worth it. And uh, yes. I think the most expensive vehicle I ever bought for my company was only $15,000. Um, but, you know, that's tomato, tomato. You can do it both ways. But I just appreciate you sharing all this. As we kind of land the plane here, I'd love for you to speak directly to the people listening. Maybe they're burnt out. 2020 has been an insane year. Still is. I mean, all the presidential stuff, there's so much uncertainty. Speak directly to the listeners and just from the heart, say what you want to say to them to either encourage them or kick them in the butt, give them some practical advice, give them some words of wisdom, some hope. Uh, lay it on us, Marvin. All right. Words of wisdom. Um, for those of you who are out there and you're struggling and you're by this time in the season, you're burned out. Um, don't stop, don't give up because, you know, just keep pressing forward. And I understand how you're, you, you get caught up in the day-to-day -day struggles of the company 
Um, you know, you have a client who hasn't paid, you have a, um, you know, a vendor who's late on materials or whatever it is. And it, it clouds your mind. Don't give up. Reach out to somebody, talk with them. Um, because, you know, I understand that, you know, depression is a real thing and, and it's so easy to just give up. I mean, I had a very dear friend of mine who committed suicide this year. And, you know, I think about had, had they just reached out, what, what could have done? And, you know, like my mom always says, she said, you can't, you can't shoot all over yourself. Don't sh- I should have done this and I should have done that, but you are where you are. Reach out, talk with somebody, feel free to reach out to me. You know, I, there's so many of y'all that are going to be listening to this. I don't even know you feel free to reach out to me. If you need somebody to talk to, you just need somebody to, to unload some steam on and, and, and just, just blow off and blow up and just let your problems out. Call me, please. You know, just don't give up because you know what? Tomorrow is another day. And, you know, that's, that's one thing I love is that I get to wake up fresh, new every day and conquer the problems that, that may attack. You know, I, I, I think that I am an, an eternal optimist and I, I see the glasses half full and, you know, I'm able to, no matter what happens, I'm able to tackle each and every day fresh. I go home at night and yes, there's been many a days where I'm struggling and I've had to call some friends and blow off some steam. But then I go home and I take a hot shower and I wash the day away and I start fresh and new. And so please don't give up. Tomorrow is another day and you can do this. And Marvin so beautifully said, I'll, I'll tell you, man, um, going through great trouble creates great compassion, you know, going through really hard times and it, you can just hear it in your voice and your heart to help people. Cause you've been in the pit, you've lived in the pit and you've dug out of the pit and and you get it, man. And what a, just an amazing offer. There's probably some people out there that are crying right now uh, that are on their last leg and you, you may have given them the extra fuel. They need to just keep going. Cause you know, we can't see around corners, but there might be a sunny, a sunny day right around the next corner. You could be so, so close and you know, your mess becomes your message. Your test becomes your testimony. And I love what you've shared today and been vulnerable and just honest. You're, you're doing awesome things in business. You're making money, you're creating you. jobs and you're just getting started. It's only a few years in. Um, everybody just reach out and thank Marvin for his time. Or if you do want to connect with him, I guess what's the best way for them to do that on Facebook? I mean, they can hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. I mean, those are probably the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Uh, shoot me a message, friend me. Yeah. <laughs> Carrier <laughs> pigeon, whatever. <laughs> well, Marvin's last name is Salcido. It's spelled S-A-L-C-I-D-O. It's Marvin Salcido. Am I saying that right, Marvin? Yes, sir. Man, you are the man, Marvin. Super great to connect with you. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yes, sir. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Fall. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on the growth fault.